Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for that love back. I appreciate that. Come on, you adults are in here for a reason tonight. You can talk to me. Amen. I love you guys. Let's do it again. I love you guys. I'm not insecure, but I do believe we need to love each other. Amen. Ooh, kind of messed me up. Um, having Rachel up here praying means a lot to me. I asked the Lord, I said, if you'll just put a fire in my girls, I don't have to do anything else for you. I am not willing to do anything great for God and lose my girl. Won't happen. I want my girls to burn for Jesus. Amen. And it blesses me when they do. My youngest, so Kenna and Rachel, if you guys wave your hand. And then my youngest tonight is in children's ministry. I feel very, very blessed by them. They are phenomenal because of their mother. Amen. They've got a great mom. She's anointed. She's full of the word. She pours into them daily. I feel very fortunate. And I just pray a lot. Amen. I pray a lot for them. Having young ladies in this hour, and I pray always, Lord, according to Isaiah 54, you said you would give my children the heart to know you. So I stand on that every day. God, you're going to give my children a heart to know you, and great shall be their peace. It's a promise. Amen? I'm here tonight on an assignment. It's awesome. Um, I'm not really prone to shaking, except when the presence gets strong, and it has been that way at this church um, for quite a bit since being here with you. Um, on the 26th, I believe it was the 26th of July, God gave me a word for this house um, four or five years ago, maybe longer, when I was in our prayer room, about an outpouring that was coming to the rock. And, um, and he said, but you're not to release it yet because it's not time. He said, I'll show you when it's time. He said, but don't say anything about it. And I want you to pray often for the church. There's been many times that I've seen visions where the glory of God coming on this building. I don't know if it's physically going to happen or if it was a sign, but I saw innumerable cars trying to get onto the property because the glory of the Lord was here. That God was going to move so mightily you weren't going to be able to keep people away. They're going to be parking in your fields trying to find a way to get into the building. This is what happens when the glory of God comes down. The rich and the poor and every ethnicity, they're hungry for God's presence. Every homeless person, every rich person, the glory of God is meant for every man, every woman. And we are desperate for his presence. And when it truly comes the way it's going to come, people will not be able to get enough of him. And you will not be able to have long enough services for them to satiate the thirsty heart. There is a hunger that's growing in the heart of people. There's something happening in teenagers that I've never seen before. And on that morning, I was walking, and I all of a sudden, I could feel like a tumult, a ruckus. Something was about to happen with the youth. And I remembered it drew me over to the right side, the left side of the sanctuary, if you're on your left, but it was on my right. And I remember this, this eruption that I felt, and I remember walking over to the youth that morning, and I think I had a word for you. Um, because I saw you, I think there was revival across your forehead is what I saw. By the way, young man, you have no idea the hand of God on your life. I saw a young Oral Roberts in you crying out for more of his presence. 
tonight. I didn't even know if you loved God until I saw you begin to love on him back there. But when you came in, I have, I have no idea who you are. And you were standing there, and I heard the Lord said, I'm going to make that young Oral Roberts so desperate for my presence. He's going to be like a, a, a Evan Roberts, Oral Roberts, desperate for God. And then the Lord says, he had no idea to the capacity that I'm going to use. What's your name? Isaac. Come on, Isaac. The day of the Lord's upon you. There is no age in this next move of God. How old are you, 13? There's no age. And there's going to be a jealousy in the hearts of the adults that we waited so long to be captured by heaven when the 13-year-olds begin to burn. Do you know there's 12 and 13-year-olds pastoring churches in China? Because they're so anointed and so full of the Spirit. Pastor Marcus referenced on Sunday morning the revival that happened in Indonesia. You know, there were six and seven-year-olds walking in groups being led by angels. It's in the book, Like a Mighty Wind, being led by angels into Indonesian tribes and seeing revival come through six, seven, and eight-year-olds. And they wanted to play, and the angel says, you cannot play. We must first preach the gospel. You can read it in his book, Beltari's book. Phenomenal. And there is an outpouring. That's why I'm here tonight. I told Pastor Mike, I said, I'm, I, I'm not a self-promoter, but there. Something has been in me since the 26th of July for the youth ministry. I believe that God is about to light a bomb in this youth group, and I believe it's going to impact this church. And I believe it's going to impact a whole lot more than you've ever realized. Tonight, I'm going to be honest with you, this is the third time that I'm going to preach this message. This is the third youth ministry that God's allowed me to preach. This message is so dear to my heart. And I have refused to cast this message if you will, that's what the Lord says. you got to be careful about the words you carry that you don't cast the revelation or the wisdom of God before swine. I've been around so many backslidden preachers that don't understand that God is going to mark teenagers with the most radical holiness. They're going to be so set apart to the Lord that preachers will be saying, that's legalistic. At the work that the Holy Spirit's going to do in you. As you radically burn, as God touches every part of your life and says, I want this, and I want that, and I want you to be set apart here, and I'm going to light you on fire. Listen to me. If God's requiring something of you, he's a much greater giver than you ever can be. And I'm telling you, you're about to brush up against the holiness of God, and it will radically change your life. And no religious preacher will be able to steal the touch of God from you. I finally had to challenge a pastor recently when this group was pressing into heaven. He goes, oh, that just seems kind of legalistic. I said, would you mind theologically breaking that statement down to me? How a pursuit, it's the same thing. I have a, a beautiful wife. I deeply love her. And in the way that I prayed for a faithful wife, I said, Lord, I want to be faithful to my wife. And one day we were walking down Park Meadows Mall together. And in the great distance, there was this lady who had quite a swagger. And she was working it. And you could tell she was trying to get attention. And she was probably about 100 yards away. And I saw her. I was like, ah, oh, here's the moment to show my wife my eyes belong only to her. And so we're walking along. And this lady was doing her thing, sending the vibe. And I was holding Jenny's hand. And I just kept walking. And this lady tried to catch eye contact with me. And I looked down at Jenny and said, I love you, babe. She goes, thank you for your eyes. That wasn't legalism. That was radical freedom. 
that my wife got to know that day how dedicated I am to her and how much I love her that she's captured my eyes. Amen? And I challenged that pastor. I said, if you're referencing when Paul was dealing with the Judaizers, he was dealing with these Jews who didn't believe that salvation alone in Christ was enough. And so there had to be circumcision of the flesh. And some of Moses' law applied, Levitical law applied. That's legalism. That's going back to the law, what Jesus paid a price for in his flesh. And we begin to understand what true grace is. The grace of God is not the divine cover-up. It's the divine influence and the power upon your life to live holy. That what you couldn't do in the natural, you can do by the Spirit of God. Say amen to that. It's good preaching. The first time I was invited to a church in Minnesota, it was, I was shocked at how large the church was for a town of 3,000. It was about 600, 600 to 800 people with a 200-member youth ministry. And I was like, never knew this pastor. It was a Word of Faith church. And when I was going up to the property, the Lord says, I'm going to... I'm going to shake things up at this church, and I'm going to release a youth revival over these kids because they, they have no idea. And the Lord said, I want you to preach about the Nazarite anointing. Here's what he says to me. They will have no idea what you're saying, but their hearts are going to burn within them. It's the same thing that the disciples had when they encountered Jesus. They said, well, just his words burned in our hearts. So the very first night, we preached it was probably about 200. There was two, a couple of the youth groups there, about 220 kids that were there. And I preached on the Nazarite anointing, what I'm going to preach tonight to you. And they stared at me for an hour, maybe, maybe longer. Just stared at me. No engagements, no amens, nothing. And God says, don't look at their faces. You just preach my word. And I got done. I said, who in here just understood what I preached on? Not one kid, not one leader raised their hands. I said, now who in here, your heart is burning in you and you can't explain why. Every hand went up. I said, God is releasing something over this generation that we've never seen before. A tumult, a radical Holy Spirit moving. It's like what Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, a man without mixture can be used by God without measure. Hallelujah. I got to know his son, David. Ravenhill, pretty well. And he says, my dad lived in that realm and prophesied there was a future coming, a generation of young people that would so radically burn for the cross, it would be offensive to most of the church. Come on. And then Lou Engle got a hold of this message, and I read his book. It was called The Nazarite DNA. A quick read. Messed me up. I could not put language to what I was feeling. One day, it was before we had McKenna, and I was in our house. My wife and I had a small little bungalow house, and I was in there praying, and I was pacing back and forth. And the Lord said to me, he said, Dan, there's a movie in your TV cabinet that grieves me. Just like that. I was an hour into prayer, praying for a meeting. I was going to be going to that night to preach. He said, there's a movie in this cabinet that offends me. And I'm calling you higher. And he said to me, if you'll let me, I will get into every part of your life and I will baptize you in fire. He says, then he says to me, watch what happens 
when you consecrate yourself with me. He, and it was not a requirement. It was an invitation. You know, you can actually just say, I don't, I don't want this kind of radical fire in my life. But I promise you and I, we are not going to get to heaven. Here's what the other thing God said. We're not going to get to heaven and God said, man, you were just a little bit too radical. So I told the Lord, you said that I'm, I'm going to be in this, in this world, but I'm not supposed to be part of that culture. So will you reveal to me what it means to have a heart that's baptized in fire? Will you show me what it means to live a life that makes you pleased to be with me? Where you're not grieved by what I listen to. You're not grieved by what I watch. You're not grieved in how I think. You're not grieved by what I look at. But you're blessed to be around me and I'm a blessing to you. Amen? And so I want to talk tonight about the Nazarite anointing. What that means. Lou Wing began to prophesy 15, 20 years ago that there was a generation of young people that would be baptized with an anointing to be set apart to God. And they would be the ones to usher in revival. Say amen to that. Who's with me? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're with me. Listen. Adults, I just want to tell you, I, I'm about to turn 50 years old. Tracy's going a, a couple months before me. Praise the Lord. So on his birthday, him and I are going to do coffee because I'm going to sit under the 50-year-old anointing before I have to step into it. Amen? I'm December. He's, he's this month, next Monday. If you want to buy him something special, you still like Harleys? Amen. So you can bless Tracy with a sweet bike that his wife's probably going to say, you're not able to ride it till the girls move out of the house. Because we want you to have all your arms and legs. And I told the Lord, I said, I never want this young generation to outburn me. My girls will tell you, I don't appreciate compromise in my life. When it gets into my life, it frustrates me. I don't like feeling lukewarm. I don't ever want to be disconnected from his presence. And I want nothing in my home that would grieve him by any means. I want Jesus, if, if, if the Lord reveals to Bill Johnson, he says that the dove, Holy Spirit's like a dove, and it wants to set on your shoulder, and it has to be comfortable with you, or it will fly off. I've seen way too much of what the consecration does. I've seen it explode young people. I've seen it touch college students, and I've seen it change them into radical, fiery ones. Is Zion here tonight? I keep hearing Zion's name. Zion. You're Zion? Are you Meyer? Zion Meyer? I just keep hearing tonight that there's such a, a goodness, a mighty anointing on your life. You, you said something my girls mentioned, and I just caught it. You said, you're going to see me go wild at the girls' lock-in. <laughs> and back over here, the Lord said this. Tell Zion she thinks she's going to go wild for the girls' lock-in. That girl's going to go wild for my kingdom. And I saw God exploding you and touching your life mightily. And I saw him putting fire on your mouth. That's awesome. Are you the oldest, Meyer? You're the middle one. It's like a generation of prayer that's been prayed and sought. Your mom and dad, it's like an anointing setting on your life. I just want to encourage you to get ready. How old are you? Just get, I just feel like you just get ready and get your eyes set. And begin to say this, 
God is about to radically invade my life. Say it every day of your life. God, you're about to radically invade my life. I'm going to be used for your glory. God's going to use you for his glory. Say it over and over again. I'm going to be used for the glory of God. I was at this youth ministry. I've got a half hour to land this ship, and I'm going to do it. I was at this youth ministry in Minnesota. These kids, the very next night, the pastor was so offended with me by the message that was released. I went up the next morning. They put me in the worst room. No, it was, it was an absolute, it was terrible. The, the man did not like me. That's okay. And so I, I go that morning to get a cup of coffee. He's in there with his 20 theaters. And he, I hear him saying as I'm pouring the coffee, I don't like our special speaker. I'm like, wow, that's a shot in the arm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't like him. I don't trust him. I don't like how he preached last night. He seemed legalistic. And all of his leaders said, that's not what we felt. Our hearts were burning in us. And we've never felt that underneath legalism. Because legalism is not freeing. It is bondage. That, that, that exercise, when we get into intimacy with God, it is so freeing and life-giving because you get his presence. Hallelujah. And his leader says, no, we don't agree with you at all. He says, well, we'll see. So the next night, I'm like, oh, gosh. I got some issues here. The next night, he comes up to me, and he says, do not go. This is an intense guy. Do not go to that pulpit tonight until I get up there first. He goes, you are not to preach until I speak on a few things. No problem. It's your house. You want a dead youth group? You can have it. So all of a sudden, this 18-year-old boy who was adopted, go to find out I'm in the back of the room. I'm going to honor this man. I'm in the back of the room. The anointing started moving during worship. The worship leader, I'll tell you about her in a minute. All of a sudden, this young man gets up there weeping and grabs the microphone. Mom and Dad, I've been a drug addict. And he starts weeping. And here's his little parents right in front of me with their little two-year-old Norwegian-looking little daughter. They adopted this young man. He was a gangbanger, thud, drug addict. Thug, drug addict. And he starts weeping and trembling and falls to the ground his adopted parents run up there and fall on top of him and the and the, i hear the lord said announce that i'm here they are to respond now i say young people the lord is here respond the place was leveled every adult every leader every young person hit the floors, chairs were flying, and they began to weep like I've never heard in my life. I stood in that back of that room going, oh my God, this is it. I've never seen anything this dramatic before. And these kids began to wail before the Lord. And it went on for about 10 minutes. And the only one not impacted was that pastor. And he ran up. He said, enough! Imagine that, Pastor Mike. You have 200 and some teenagers under the glory of God, getting transformed in the deepest repentance. He said, this is not of God. Everybody get up and sit down. And they get up and they're dusting themselves off. And I was like, oh God, don't. Oh Lord, I was so grieved. He said, in fact, everybody go to the lake. This is dismissed. And they ran by me, looking at me, going, asking me. I said, just go to the lake. 
and he walked up to me. He says, I don't like you. Well, feelings are mutual, bro. He's like, I didn't tell him that, but I got to fly home, you know. And I called my buddy up. I said, um, what do I do, bro? He goes, well, I feel like the Lord's telling you to stay. He says, if they put that mic in your hand tomorrow night, that's permission. The Lord told me, he says, Dan, I want you to stay up all night long. And I want you to cry out over these teenagers. I want you to cry out for mercy on that pastor. And then the next morning for the meeting, I had to do the morning meeting. I was going to get changed. I had a grubby sweatshirt on. My hair was jacked. I stung. He says, you're not to shower. You're not to change your clothes. He, John Baptist, that's what he called me. You march into that building. If they put the microphone in your hand, you invite me back into this room. So I walked up there, and he slaps that microphone in my hand. He paid good money for those plane tickets. I'm sure he wants to get his money's worth, whatever. And I stood back, and I began to weep. I said, Holy Spirit, would you come again? He came like a freight train, turned that place upside down. That night, the glory of God hit so hard. The worship leader, she was up on her, on her keyboard. She's like 19 years old. And I walked up, and I put my hand on her back, and she slammed onto the keyboard. Boom, out in the spirit, shaking all over this keyboard, shaking violently. And then it hit the room. People were throwing glasses. I'm healed. I mean, kids were screaming at the top of their lungs. The glory of God hit. And then the youth pastor came up. We had three hours of impartation as kids were laid out, getting healed, getting calls of God upon their life. It was the most epic, non-human thing possible. I don't even remember what was said in those meetings other than the very first meeting. Then the youth pastor came up. He goes, I've got to have a touch of God. I'm dead. And I, we prayed for him. I think his name was David. The kid turned into a pogo stick. Doing, 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 knocking into stuff. And the pastor was offended again. The last night, God turned that thing upside down. And I warned the pastor. I said, Pastor, God has spoken to you his intentions that he is coming to your church. He wants to shake the region and he wants to send revival. If you hinder this thing, if you stop the plans of God, it will be detrimental. So they flew me back. I went back. My heart was heavy and didn't hear anything for month after month after month after month. Two years later, I get a, an email from the worship leader. So she says, you may not remember me, but I was the one slain in the spirit on top of my keyboard. She says, glory of God has hit my life. I'm at IHOP. I'm going to go all over the world. My heart has been burning ever since that night. I feel so hungry for his presence. She says, Dan, so many of us in that room that we said, yes, they're all over the world. They're in Bible school. They're preaching the gospel everywhere. She says, but sadly, the pastor rejected the word of the Lord. And they've had four church splits. And they've asked him to leave. You don't reject the move of God. When God wants to come to a city and shake a region and turn a state and a nation upside down, the only thing you have to say is, Lord, come and move mightily. And I'm here to announce to you tonight, right before I came here on 726, I was at another youth ministry. 
in Florida during Hurricane Irma, my first hurricane meeting. It was awesome. You ever seen a Colorado boy sweat in massive humidity because we had no air conditioning, all the power went out. And I told the youth pastor, I'm preaching. I've never preached in a hurricane. This will be awesome. I was dripping because I'm not built for humidity. It's like 10% humidity here. You know what I mean? And I preached. The Lord says, I want you to preach on the Nazarite anointing. This is the second youth group. Preach on the Nazarite anointing because I'm about to turn these young people upside down. There were kids there that were boys that were wearing dresses. Massive gender issues, suicide issues. It was half of the youth group was just jacked until heaven touched them. I'm serious. They got so turned upside down. And I released a prophetic word that I'm saying tonight that God was about to shake the campuses. The youth pastor called me. He came out of the ramp. He called me up. His name was Corey. He called me last week. He said, Dan, you would not believe. Because I've been like one of those things. It was such a strong prophetic word. I'm like, oh God, please do it. Or I'm going to be tarred and feathered as a false prophet. And I said, Lord, please, this is, this is, please do it. <laughs> I wasn't in faith in a couple of those prayers. But I told the pastor, I said, you're a youth in here. I'm going to shake the entire county. Pictures came. The youth pastor called me. He said, Dan, you remember our group? You remember how fractured? He said, we've caught so much fire. He said, we have kids getting caught up into heaven. One kid had so much food allergies, so sickened he couldn't even touch certain foods. He got caught up into heaven and instantaneously healed one of the pastor's sons. He said, Danny's 12. He's absolutely a torch for Jesus. He says, the other night we had a meeting and the youth, four to 500 kids came. He said, it's happening. Our youth are on fire. They invited their unsaved friends. Four or 500 of them came. He said, Dan, the baptism of heaven came down. The kids were out under the glory. Hundreds received calls into the ministry. He goes, it is happening. Everything is being shaken. And so when I heard that, the Lord reminded me of 726. When I saw what was about to happen in this church, what was coming to this house, and was coming to the youth ministry, and the Lord said, it's time. I want you to release this word. I'm about to turn everything upside down. Who feels something inside of you right now? Raise your hand. Amen. I've got 20 minutes. I am going to land the ship. I will be faithful. Amen. The Nazarite anointing. There's three very distinct Nazarites in the Word of God that are prolific. They stand out. Of course, we know them. I found out later on by reading Lou's book and actually speaking. It was an Orthodox Jew in Israel. I've been to Israel three times such a blessing to be there. And I got connected with an Orthodox Jew, actually turned Messianic, an uh, Orthodox rabbi, turned into a Messianic rabbi. The man's filled with revelation. He says, Dan, and he knew that I was burning for this Nazarite anointing. He said, do you know in Israel's history, there were thousands of Nazarites, of consecrated ones. And then he said this, do you know that what God would do, because Israel was always outnumbered, they were always um, outnumbered by the enemy, always, that God would take, because Israel would be so scared to go into battle, because they were always outweighed and outnumbered, that he would take the consecrated ones, the Nazarites, and he would put them in front of the battle, and they would have, because the Nazarites, 
calling or the, you know, the, the anointing for that or the choice is you don't cut your hair. There's five different things that the Nazarites could do. And I want to tell you is that it's moved from the physical. We're not cutting our hair, we're not drinking wine, we're not doing these things. And it's moved into the spirit where the heart consecrated to the Lord. Amen. Oh, by the way, that youth group I was at just in Florida, they were so carnal. Listen to this. God came down and touched their music. I can't tell you how many kids I saw erase some filth off their phones. I will tell you this. I am a massive advocate for worship. Because we go back to the original source of music. God raised up worship for his presence and his presence alone. To be sung in the heavenlies, to worship him and worship him alone. And Ezekiel is very clear on who the worship leader of heaven was. He was filled with pipes. And his body made music. It was Lucifer. And when he fell, he took the very thing that God created, perverted it to try to shift mankind with false fire, false worship. I watched Holy Spirit come down and touch a group of teenagers without being asked. And I've seen this for years. I've been youth pastoring a long time. My degrees in youth ministry and counseling and theology. I did so much youth ministry in Texas. And then as a youth pastor for 10 years in Colorado, I've always seen this. When you're burning for God, that cell phone's filled with worship. And the moment you start stepping back, it gets filled with other stuff. That says something to me. I don't want no part of it. Amen. 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 God put his hand. I remember, um, what's your name? Brian. Um, what's the worship leader at Bethel? Brian, um, Brian and Jen Johnson. Jen Johnson said that God was calling her at a young age when she was eight years old. The Lord told her, you're going to sing for me and you're going to be a burning one for me. And you're always to listen and worship with my music. She said, God never let her. I want to tell you something. This is an invitation to you to go deeper. I want to put something on this for 30 days. I want to challenge some of you for 30 days. Live in the anointing for 30 days. Listen to anointed stuff. Watch anointed stuff. Read anointed stuff. And see what happens to you. Because you know what I saw? I saw it just takes one teenager. Just one. That's what happened at the IHOP revival. Is Marcus in here? You, you probably know this better. There was that young lady. I think she was in class when the IHOP revival happened. What is it? Seven, eight years ago, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, was it a lady? And she got touched by God and began to confess in that class. And it carried into the sanctuary. And it carried into all-day prayer. Rachel, you remember that? I went to go check that thing out. It was radical. Amen. Here's the Nazarite anointing. It is a vow taken by an individual who have voluntarily dedicated themselves to God. The vow is a decision. It's an action and a desire on the part of people whose desire is to yield themselves to God completely. By definition, the Hebrew word Nazar simply means to be separated or consecrated. The, Naz the Nazarite vow appears in number 6, 1 through 22. There's three different verses for the sake of time. If you could write these down, Luke 1, 13 through 17. That passage there 
I believe if I'm right. Let me just look at it. Because one of them is about John the Baptist being a burning and shining lamp. Is that Luke 1? Is that Luke 3? Okay. <laughs> You're going to catch it in the spirit. Amen? Jesus was mentioning this John the Baptist anointing. He said John was like a burning and shining lamp. One thing I've seen about this consecrated anointing, the lamp refers into Revelation 3 about these lampstands, the very presence of God. He was speaking to the five churches. There were seven churches. He spoke to five. Two got full commendation. But the five churches, he gave rebuke and then spoke about their assignment and began to speak. If you can make these corrections, if you can do these things, then I will not remove my lampstand from your midst. His presence. And that's what John the Baptist carried was the presence of God. Amen? Luke 1, 13 through 17. Isaiah 40 through 3, 3 through 5. And Luke 3, 4 through 6. Samson. I'm going to move quickly here. Samson was the very first one. These three that I'm going to give you did not make the decision to be a Nazarite. They were chosen. Samson. His life represented power and demonstration. I'm going to tell stories about other people, but I'm going to share one about me. I was in a season of youth ministry when my heart got so desperate for the presence of God and the Lord began to call me in two new levels, fasting and prayer and consecration. And he said, Dan, I'm going to call you higher. And I, I, I was in this season of just radical pursuit of the Lord and fasting. And I got a phone call um, and the Lord spoke to me. These, I, through observing the Nazareth anointing, I've seen three different manifestations of the power of the Spirit. Here's the first one, power and demonstration. Write that down, power and demonstration. Who in here wants to operate with the power of God in your life and demonstration? Raise your hand. For every story I'm going to tell you, I could tell you 50 others. Personal stories and stories of other people. I've seen, I've seen witches and warlocks confronted by the power of God. I've laid hands on them. I've seen crazy stuff happen. The church I was part of in downtown Denver, there was 13 registered witch covens around our building. We always had feces thrown on our building, blood, chicken parts. Santeria was big down there. We had witches in our meetings all the time. I went to lay hands on this one little June cleaver. By the way, real witches don't look like witches. The ones that look like it are kind of the, the distraction. Sharp teeth, jacked up, goth looking. Nah, they're not packing. It's the ones that look like June cleaver. Past the dresses, their hair's all fluffed, and they come walking in, walking and smiling. Those are the ones that are packing authority. Come on. So I got a phone call from these parents, a young lady by the name of Crystal, 17 years of age. They said, Pastor Dan, we know that you don't know us. We heard about you. And our daughter has turned her back so aggressively against God. We raised her in church. Pastor Dan, she is fully demonized. She's demon-possessed. She's been trying to kill herself for weeks. And we had to get her put into the mental portion at Children's Hospital, she's trying to gnaw through her wrists. Because every attempt, she wasn't trying to get attention. She wanted to die. Would you please go and pray for her? So I get to Children's Hospital. I walk in where she was at, and she was in the padded room with an observation window with the steel wire going through it and four doctors with their notepads watching her. And I go, and I, I went to get into the door, they said, you don't want to go in there. I said, I need to go in there. They said, no, she's been attacking us, beating us. And we're here to observe her. You do not want to go in there. She's dangerous. I said, her parents called me. I have authority to go in there. And I'm going to pray for her. 
So I walked in that room, and it was like I walked into the den of hell. The demons around this girl. She was so messed up. And I walked in, and I sat down. It was like a movie. And the Lord said, I want you to prophesy over her that I want you to declare my blood over her. And I want you to share my gospel with her. So I began to share the good news with her. I began to prophesy what God saw over her, 139, Psalm 139, in her mother's womb. And I began to declare, Crystal, this is who you are. And she never once looked at me until I spoke the blood. And she was perched like a bat on top of her, on top of her bed. And when I was talking, Jeremy, she went like, just like this. I was full of the spirit, but that doesn't keep your hair from going up. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, because it was like a freak movie. And she stared at me. And I went, Crystal, the blood of Jesus sets you free. And she turned her head back. The Lord says, you're done. Get out of the room. I walked out of the room. The doctors were amazed she didn't jump on me. And I head out. And God says this to me. You have no idea what you've just done. I'm heading out. A month later, I'm going to a birthday party up in Thornton. Some young people. Get out of my car. I have a standing rule with the teenage girls. They're never allowed to hug me full on, ever. Side hugs only and a little shoulder tap. They don't ever come and hug me that way. It's only for my wife. Well, this girl took off. This girl came out of the house screaming, Pastor Dan, screaming, and about ripped the screen door off this house and ran and jumped into my arms. I caught her like this going, oh, this looks horrible. This looks really bad. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm like seriously concerned about this stuff, you know. And I'm trying to pry her off. She goes, you don't know who I am, do you? I said, sweetheart, I have no idea who you are. You need to let go of me. And so I put her down. She goes, you don't really know who I am. I said, who are you? She says, I'm Crystal. She says, minutes after you left, a light hit my room and every devil was driven out of my life and I gave my heart to Jesus. She goes, I'm enrolled in Bible college. I'm going to serve the Lord with my life. And then she says this, I'm so burning for Jesus and never going back. The Lord said to me, he said, it is the consecration that I'm calling a generation to. You're about to see power and demonstration like you never have before because those kids at school are bound with devils and they need freedom. And you don't realize the capacity of the glory of God that you carry on your life. And Holy Spirit doesn't care about age. He just needs this. Yes, Lord. I give myself to you. I remember Jesse Engel at the call. I think it was Tennessee, Nashville. There were thousands of people on 40-day fast believing God for an impartation of the Nazarite anointing. And Jesse Engel went on a 40-day fast with his dad. He was 12 years old. He got up there with his long hair. He was on a Nazarite, a Nazarite thing with his dad. He got up there with his long hair. Lou couldn't grow long hair. But Jesse could. And he grabbed that microphone. I still have the recording somewhere. He said, God... That we could burn at 12 and not wait till we're 20. We could burn at 12 and not wait till we're 20 to burn. Hey, if you're starting to burn at 20, then just burn. I came on late in the game too. But I'm making up time. Amen. Amen. There was anointing released over our nation. And what's wild, 
I remember when Lou Engle and all these people were crying out for the pro-life. And I remember when there was such a defeat handed down. And I remember Lou Engle saying this. He goes, oh, I thought for sure we were about to see abortion removed and the pro-life made great. And his heart was sunk. But do you know what those men and women labored for? We're now starting to see. We forgot that a seed has to go into the ground and die. And then it brings forth life. And that's exactly what's happening. We're seeing it already shaking in Texas with the rulings for the pro-life. It, it seems like the gates of hell are fighting. And there's still a resiliency because you know what God's doing? The seed is breaking the ground of all the intercession. All the prayers. And God says, there's not one prayer that I haven't heard that I, will, that I won't respond to. And that's the same thing with this Nazarite anointing. I knew friends that went after God with all their hearts. And now that generation paid a price so we could walk into the fullness of it. It's the same thing with Pastor JR building this building so his son could carry a torch in revival. It's the handing off of the mantles and it's being handed off to you. I'm not handing off my mantle, but we can run together. I'm going to burn with you, baby. I'm serious. I want his glory in my home. I want it in my marriage. I want it on my girls. The other day we're in worship and it was Pastor Mike was bringing the word of the Lord and I started getting that twitch anointing because it was powerful and all of a sudden little Rachel starts doing the Lou Engle thing. I'm like, go girl, do the Lou thing. You know, she starts rocking. I said, God, make my girls on fire for you. Amen? It releases the power and demonstration of God. I've got five minutes. The second thing that it does, oh, i got to tell you this. This little girl named Sarah Beaver, she was in our discipleship program. She's 22 years old. We had about, I don't know, 15, 20 kids in this discipleship program called Master's Commission. She was so timid and so nervous. And, um, and then we, we launched her into CCU, Colorado Christian University. You could take the Christian part out of it because there was nothing Christian about it at that time. They read Christian books, but the campus was a mess. And Sarah, in one of our meetings, got lit on fire for God. And she said, Pastor Dan, I've been timid and insecure my whole life. And I've been like a little mouse, not no more. She says, there's a fire in me, and I'm going to preach at the next chapel at CCU. And I want you to come, and I want you to fast and pray for me. I was like, oh, girl, I'll be praying for you. I'm in the back of this gymnasium, 900 students there, and all the brass wearing their suits, their arms crossed as she starts preaching. And the kingdom of God starts confronting sin and deliverance. And she says, God can deliver you of homosexuality. God can deliver you of perversion. Oh, it was intense in the room. All these little religious kids didn't want to hear what she had to hear. But her words were striking their heart. I'm in the back going, oh, God, have mercy for Sarah. Don't let them kill her. Don't let them hurt to stay. I'm serious. And you could, you could hear a pin drop in the room. And then she gets an altar call. Whew. The power of God let loose in that gymnasium. This young man, this Baptist boy, who had been battling with homosexuality, couldn't get free, ran to the front. I want freedom. Sarah sends him back to me. So here comes this kid weeping. I'm going, Sarah, you're going to get me shot. He comes back. What she released, the power of God hit that room. This kid 
shot straight back on a gym floor and hit one of my leaders and drove both of them to the ground. This kid was shaking under the power of God, got completely delivered. We stood him up and got filled with the Spirit instantaneously. And then God just poured out upon those teenagers. Do you know what came from that meeting? A prayer movement. Radical prayer meetings that came from Sarah Beaver's little insecure young lady getting filled with the fire of God and saying yes to the consecrated life. And God used the most timid young person to launch a campus revival. Hallelujah. Number two, Samuel. We read about Samuel. Samson operated in power and demonstration. Number two, Samuel was given from his birth by his mother to be a servant of the Lord. The Bible says from that consecration, God gave him a promise. Not one of your words will fall to the ground. I've got two minutes. Help me, Jesus. I had a young man. Got delivered in my living room. Remember Ronnie? Got delivered in my living room of crazy drug addiction. Started manifesting demons. I had to baptize this kid in sections in my tub because he was huge. It's like six foot three, six foot four, MMA fighter, tattooed, jacked up, used to be a youth pastor. His pastor fell from, fell from God, and he turned his heart against God. And that night, he got radically delivered. And the Lord said, I'm going to use you again. I'm going to fill you with fire. And he went out on 16th Street Mall. And God said, that man right there. And Ronnie began to preach the gospel to this homeless guy. And the guy began to manifest and growl. And they sit down on the bench. And God says, preach my word. Your words will not fall to the ground. And he preaches. And all of a sudden, this guy goes, oh, my head's about to be ripped open. And some guy dressed in military comes out of the crowd grabs the homeless guy and says, you must listen to this man's words. Be free. And the headache came off of him. And then he said, he said to, my, to Ronnie, man of God, release the kingdom of God on him. Can you say angel? Ronnie got a consecration where his words dug into the heart of a demon-possessed homeless man. And the man could not get away from the gospel. Hallelujah. John the Baptist. The Bible says he was a burning and shining one. He was called to prepare the way of the Lord. I got one minute. I came out of, I got to tell you, this is so cool. Because you guys are about to have these kind of crazy encounters. Right? You're about to have crazy encounters, son. Crazy encounters. I came out of this prayer meeting with a bunch of teenagers. They were nuts. And I came out of this prayer meeting. I want to get a cup of coffee with a bunch of shots of espresso because I was tired. So I'm in Aurora. That's another, you don't know about Aurora. It's down. It's in Colorado. And so I'm down in Aurora. Keep forgetting I'm in Castle Rock. I'm down in Aurora. And I go to this little coffee shop. It's called Camelot Coffee. And I'm walking up, and I see protected by angels. I'm going, oh, crap. It's one of those places, you know. <laughs> and so I walk in. It was like, a, it was like a, a witch coven selling coffee. There were pentagrams on all the tables. There was the most demonic-sounding music going on. And I walked in, and this little girl dressed in black with her little shaved teeth, she's on the phone, and I walk in, and she growls at me. Ha! What are you doing here? So I'm here to get a cup of coffee, you know, and I, I walk into the counter and I look over. I said, y'all are witches, aren't you? It's, it's, I mean, it's like this little witch coven. And I walk up there and these people started manifesting, growling and freaking out. The Lord says, you've carried my glory into the gates of hell. My glory is upon you. My presence is upon you. Listen, do you know what you carry? Come on, radical. It's time. It's time to be burning. There's no other way to live. Adults, I don't care if you're 60. It's time to get refired and refilled. Get back into the secret place and let heaven say, I'm not going to let a generation outburn me. There's no way. 
I'm getting in this. See, this is prophetic tonight that Pastor Mike wanted to bring the church and the youth together because God's about to shake. Let's all stand to our feet. He's about to shake this youth ministry in Douglas County for his glory. Lift your hands up. Lift your hands up. Come on, you shouldn't, you shouldn't listen to this word if you want to get changed. I was at a camp and this little witch was sitting there and she was cursing me while I was preaching. She was growling and spitting, holding her little talisman. She didn't respond to the altar call. She was hard as nails. And all the kids, there's so many kids that got saved. And I walked up to her and I sat down next to her. And she hated me. And she was like, I curse you. I curse you. And I said, sweetheart, and I put my arm around her. I said, I need to tell you about the gospel. And so I told her about the gospel. I shared Jesus with her in the blood of Jesus. And she starts hissing at me. She goes, it's not working. I said, the problem is, sweetheart, Isaiah 55 says that it has to work because the word of the Lord will not return void. I said, sweetheart, you should not have listened to me because now you're about to be confronted with the very man who hung on the cross and died for all of your sin. I said, sweetheart, you will be saved and you will be transformed because you just heard the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm here to tell you tonight, listen to me. Isaac, I'm telling you, you said it was Isaac, right? Isaac, get ready. God is about to shake everything. Where's Pastor Christie? Where's Pastor Christie? Pastor Christie, can you come here? I want the ladies, we're going to lay hands on her and we're going to bless her. God, see, I showed my girls today. For those that need to leave, if you have parents waiting for you, please, let's honor your family. If they're outside waiting for you, you can just slip out. I'm going to pray a blessing over you real quickly. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. And I declare in Jesus' name, the burning anointing, the consecration, in Jesus' name, over your life, over the adults. And I declare over the Rock Church, over Douglas County. I declare over this entire region, the 64 counties of Colorado, that our state is about to be shaken by the glory of God. And I declare it just takes one. Lord, I declare a baptism of fire upon this youth group. Create in them, in the name of Jesus, the greatest hunger they've ever had. Father, I thank you that you're right now you're filling Hudson. If you could just put your hand on Hudson right now. Somebody just put your, somebody put their hand on Hudson. Lord, I thank you you're filling him, making him a voice right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just lift your hands up. If you feel something, put your hands on your belly. If you feel something. Young ladies, just lay your hands on Pastor Christie. Father, we bless Pastor Christie's voice tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, even the way you did with Karen Wheaton at the ramp in 1989, when she went into her town and her city, and the kids were so wrecked with alcoholism, and they were shaken, and hundreds of thousands of young people have been shaken under the glory of God by her yes. Father, I declare an anointing upon Pastor Christie, on this leadership team, on Pastor Mike, and on The Rock. I declare this church will see the glory of God like never before. Father, I thank you that you're shaking Douglas County and the 25 pastors who are in agreement at the day of prayer. Lord, visit this city and shake it for your glory. In the name of Jesus, just receive that right now, son.